I'm Asan, and this is the Friday Show. Uh, been a busy, and some would say fraught week in City World. Joining me to look back on what's definitely been a fraught week at the 9320 podcast, I've got Mr. Howard Hawking. Morning, Howard. Morning. How are we? Yeah, okay. Just peeking my head out the bunker. To <laughs> yes. To see what's yes. going on. Stick your head above the parapet. Yeah. Listen, um, before we before we dive in, you went to Gary James's talk last night. Uh, yeah. How was that? Tell us a little bit about it, please. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, it's today, I think. It is 125 years old, Manchester City. Yeah. So we record this on the Friday. So the meeting uh, was on the Thursday night. Yeah, well, maybe not Thursday night, yesterday, so to speak, 125 years ago to apply, you know, for the... Manchester City to be formed. Uh, so it was split into two halves this, uh, at the Dance House Theatre. Lots of uh, big names there. There were saw none of them somehow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Paul White was there and Joe was there. Uh, David White, I think, was there. Uh, yeah, and obviously lots of other big conchos like ourselves in the city world. <laughs> uh, the first half was about, you know, the early history of Joshua Parby and the guy, you know, how how City was set up and lots of, yeah, Gary's a great host anyway, presenter, uh, really funny, informative, lots of archive stuff on the screen and photos, you know, really interesting stuff. Uh, looked at the Hyde Road and, you know, the pre-Main Road days. Uh, actually started with an a- your average day at Main Road, you know, like match day with some photos from the 80s and 70s. So, it's yeah, really good. Second half was more about the history of, our, of the supporters, and the supporters club, which I think, and I'm sorry for getting this wrong, he's 75 years old or 70. Okay. So it was done in conjunction with the city supporters club. And it looked at all our supporters through the ages and the crazies and, you know, everything really. Uh, so it was a good hour and a half, up to two hours. It was really interesting one-off thing, you know, that you want you something different that I won't, you won't see again. You know, mm. It's a one-off show that, it, he said that, that won't gonna, be repeated. So. Exactly. He said he's not going to do it again, is he? So no. in a way, if he didn't go last night, you missed out big time and you probably won't get another chance to see it unless you live to our 250th birthday. Maybe Gary <laughs> will do another one in another 125 years. Yeah, well, I went to something with his about four years, four or five years ago. So every now and then he will. Uh, that was at the corner house, I think, which is no longer there. Yep. moved to home uh, so in a few years hopefully or sooner uh, there are some shows city related shows on the dance house in the summer so if you just do go on the site and see what's on there uh, there might be stuff of interest I think it might be a play and mm. other stuff uh, about city so uh, do look into that if you want some you need your fix during what will be a very boring summer uh, but hopefully yeah it won't be another few years before he does another talk to be honest so uh, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's lots of archive stuff that you just wouldn't see otherwise as well. And it, it's always fascinating to uh, to look at the old photos because I don't think I do it enough, to be honest. And it mm. does bring back some memories. Yeah, makes me feel old and makes it's nice me to be kind and nostalgic for, you know, yeah. it wasn't always better in the old days, of course. It was pretty miserable. But, you know, the character that was there, yeah, is missed a bit. The huge heaving terraces and that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's... the journey, the 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 city journey throughout the ages is a fascinating one for a club with no history. 
we have a remarkably remarkably rich history. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I guess I maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to say it anyway because I've got a habit of just saying things that I want to say. Um, continuing my theme of criticizing Pep unnecessarily this week, I, I do find it. I, I know that before the Champions League game, um, he said something about City not really having a history before yeah. 10 years ago. Um, and he's, it's something that he said a few times, and I know the context which he's trying to place the club within. And the context is Real Madrid, Barcelona and Bayern Munich. And and because of that, you know, when he says those things, he's generally talking about we don't have a history of winning lots and lots and lots of trophies the way some of those other clubs have. Yeah. But I do feel we have a really rich and interesting history. And we are, for me, um, one of the most important and historic football clubs in England. So but, it's cool. Yeah, sorry, that interesting. But yeah, the early part of the show after the day at Main Road did focus a lot on 1904 homecoming from the FA Cup victory and how that put Manchester on the map in the way, you know, football wise. Um, mm. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and obviously there was a bit of tendencies through the ages. Uh, yeah, it really, it rammed home all the, you know, it, I think it really put into perspective the utter tedious, <laughs> soul-sapping nature of going online nowadays. It really does. I mean, it's just, well, you, know, you, I, go, you go to a show like that and, and you know, it's the same of 50 other clubs that, you know, <laughs> like 19th century, these clubs, Nineteenth century, these clubs were being formed, and you know, and playing matches and winning stuff. And it's like, yeah, it really just makes you step back, think about things, and wonder why you you go through your daily routine online dealing with uh, morons. To be honest, I think there's a, I think there's a, um, maybe a, maybe a distinction that should begin to be made within the media, or certainly we be, we can begin to make it within supporter media is, you know, there's a difference between history and success. And I think that uh, oftentimes the media tend to conflate the two. So Man United have a history because they've won a lot of trophies over the last 40 years, but City don't have a history because they haven't won a lot of trophies over the last 40 years, which is just on the face of it, utterly nonsense. And by any, you know in any other walk of life, in any other conversation context, if you turned around and said a club that was born 125 years ago didn't have history, you'd get laughed at. Or anything that was born 125 years ago didn't have a history would would get laughed at. So it is strange the way in football we, we tend to conflate success with the idea of history. Yeah. Um, okay. The other, the other historic thing that you did this week, which I'm fascinated to hear about, is you went to see um, the Troutman doc, uh, not documentary, biopic uh, called yeah. The Keeper. What did you make of it, mate? Well, to be honest, yeah, I didn't. I've not watched the trailers because so, I don't like to with films. To be honest, uh, trailers mm. often give away half the story. Not that I don't know this story, uh, but I don't enjoy trailers. I, I like to go in blind in a way. I kind of expected a twee little pleasant film that I'd quite enjoy. And I was quite taken aback by how far, far more affecting it was on me. 
to be honest. I thought it was absolutely superb. It's a film that, you know, film critics have given like three out of five. It's okay, quite good. I thought it was way, way better than that and very unfair uh, that you would say that. I just thought it was, and I'm trying to wonder if it's, obviously I know the story. It's not a, it's not a film for City fans. It's not a film about football, even though there is obviously in football in it. It's about his redemption after the war, of course, and it goes up to, with a gap after about 1950-ish, goes up to the 56 final and you know the tragedy that he suffered soon after that. Uh, so it's it's about the post-war years and his integration into British society and what you know his and I'm sure there's some poetic license there. I've no doubt about that. But I found it very you know it's it's very good. Uh, it's beautifully shot. CGI is excellent of main road at exteriors inside and Wembley itself, which I've seen in an interview was just played on a you know like a park pitch so to speak. So the whole stadium's just been CGI'd around it. Uh, it's funny. And it's quite, it's very moving at times, which I don't find very much in films at all. So I don't know if I'm getting a lot more out of it because I'm a City fan and I know the story. Mm. They didn't know about his personal life as much, so maybe that hit me harder because of no that. No spoilers, no spoilers. No, well, a lot of people, as you say, it's a historical thing. A lot of people will know what I'm talking about there anyway. Uh, and it's not central to the film that, you know, you don't know. But maybe you'll get, you know, it'll hit you harder if you don't know about his personal life. Yeah, uh, maybe things have been missed out, but I just thought, and it's yeah, brilliantly acted. John Henshaw in it is superb. Uh, the two main, you know, Bert Troutman and his his wife or wife to be, and then wife, but uh, brilliantly acted. It looks good. Yeah, I just thought it was so much better than I didn't know what to expect going in blind, but it was better than that anyway. I really do recommend it because. I mean, I went. I went during the day, so cinemas are pretty empty in the UK anyway during the day for anything, even a blockbuster. Uh, but you know, in Manchester, a few days after it's on general release, there's only about fifteen people in there. I know other people on Twitter have said they've been virtually the only people in the cinema. So I do really, before it goes off, it probably won't last long in the cinema. I really do recommend that all blues go and see it as soon as possible. Excellent you will not stuff. be disappointed. Excellent stuff. Um, Okay, Howard, now I've got an opening question for you. Now we've done a little bit of housekeeping. Um, let's get a little serious. Uh-oh. Was Wednesday's podcast that we did, our review, a sign that our expectations are too high and that that is leading to a serious lack of perspective when, uh, when a result doesn't go our way? And also, was it a sign of us feeling the pressure of what is an immense April with four trophies on the line? A bit would be my answer. Okay. I think I think if we'd done the podcast, I was a host, so I'm blameless anyway. <laughs> yes, uh, in this instance, you are absolutely blameless. Even though I agreed with everything you said, apart from the swearing. It's a family show, this. I, I think if we'd done it, we did it. What was it? Midday-ish? Late morning? Late morning. I think if we'd done it the night before, after the match, it'd have been even worse. If we'd done it... <laughs> if, yeah, but if we'd done it in the evening or yesterday, it would have been a lot more measured. So I think there was a, a part of it that was a reaction, a disappointment, frustration. I think we went a bit over the top, yes. I know, because if I you know, if I say next week something's going to give in this quadruple bid... I then can't get 
that angry if something then gives <laughs> in a game. Yeah. But I didn't expect it to give at this stage. I didn't, you know, I thought that City could go full pelt. And it's how, you know, I'm still not convinced. I understand more now, reading a lot, and we've had a lot of criticism, like I've never known. More criticism for that podcast than every other one put together, I would imagine. But then Absolutely. We, normally, we normally win, so, <laughs> you know. Uh, how often do we evaluate defeats? Yeah, it's I the worst that- reaction after a defeat. It's the worst reaction to a podcast in my entire time of doing this podcast. I can't remember ever. Um, yeah, I just don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember ever catching that much heat. And I've said, I think I've said a lot worse stuff. By the way, just for the record, <laughs> I'll be trolling the archives. <laughs> Some snippets for everyone, uh, making up some fake texts, no doubt. <laughs> the the Real, the post Real Madrid podcast uh, after the uh, second leg of the semi final at the Bernabeu. If anybody yeah. wants to listen to Asan having a literal meltdown on a podcast, try and find that pod. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long time ago. Well, it seems a lifetime ago. Yeah, I, I think if City put yeah, if you put a strong side, if we were happy with the side, and most people said yeah, that's the side I'd play, and we lost one nil. We'd see a totally different reaction. We'd just say, well, they didn't play that well, or, you know, they got a goal in a close game. But there is a standby, probably went too far, but I do stand by my frustrations of the team he picked. And I do, you know, because I, there were better players available, in my opinion. And it's really is hard saying that Pep Guardiola, you know, I've, I've got a better view of who should be picked than Pep Guardiola, of course, is on the surface ridiculous. But we are football fans, we have opinions. I still think there were players who aren't, haven't been playing regularly that could have given a better shape to that side. And it's easy to say after Delph makes a mistake and is, you know costs us the game in a way. Uh, and yet I stand by some of it as well, but we we're probably a bit too harsh in our language, I think. My problem is this. If we'd lost... You know, I'm going over the same point again. I think it was just very too far too dangerous for Pep Guardiola to be that conservative and go for nil-nil because I'm not convinced even 0-0 is a great result because of this away goals rule that I always go on about. Mm. If we'd lost 3-2, I'd be, my tone would be very different because I am mm. confident we will win the second leg. And I can see why he's he, he does have to change players and rotate. And Brighton might not have been the hardest game, but it was only three days previous. And, you know, it stayed in London, so... That's one bonus, but it's still it's still a short gap between games and such a high intensity game. And I can't assume we're going to beat Spurs either. But I still think there's problems with how we approached the game, how some of the players played, and I still would have gone in strong for that game. But you know, if we time will tell. The second, I still think that the danger is I, I can see us winning two one or three yeah, by a single goal in the second leg and going out and away goals again. That's mm. my concern. That's what I think may have affected my judgment after that, that we did not score. And it's very dangerous. I understand that after going 1-0 down, I accept him taking that result. And and, and yeah, now I'll step back again. I think, look, we were getting on top before that goal. Goals and goals happen. They just happen. You know, you can't really... It didn't look like they were going to score Spurs. We were... We haven't created many chances, but we're generally on top, and it felt like if someone was going to score, we would. He's not responsible for us missing a penalty, but he's not responsible for st- 
Sterling not playing a through ball when Mares could have been one on one, or for Jesus going offside. I think personally, I was yes a bit harsh, but most of the main points I made, I stand by. I just don't. I think I might have used a bit too much hyperbole. And this was not the worst decision making Pep's ever done. It wasn't our worst performance ever. I mean, that's just ridiculous. We've played worse than that, mm. and that's despite the fact that most weeks we played brilliantly. I just yeah. I stand by most of the points. I'm still not convinced, but I think, personally, speaking for myself, went a bit too far. I don't think that I'd ever. Um, I don't think I'd ever really considered the idea that Guardiola could play, could could set up a team to play like that. Um, but Liverpool I, away was that not playing like that? I don't. I don't think it was. I. I think that at Liverpool away, um, the fullback sat. Yeah which yeah. was fair enough. I, I sort of expected that, but there was a sense from the off that the front three and even the number eights, when they got into Liverpool's half into the final third, that there was a willingness to to get in behind. City went there to win and to score a goal. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel, I mean, it, it, Guardiola has said, either directly or indirectly since the game on on Tuesday, that he went there for a nil-nil. And I think that had I considered that as a viable option going into the game, I wouldn't have been as disturbed as I was at the final whistle. I think because I never expected us to play like that, I didn't really understand what was going on. Because I think that's the other thing, that it's not just the context of, City playing like that. It's the context of Guardiola's City playing like that in the two and a half, three years that he's been here, however long he's been here, going all the way back to his first season when we didn't really have the players to play in the manner in which he wanted to play. He never changed the way he played. Was always, We always played in exactly the same way. And so you get used to that as a as being the default for, for, for City under Pep. And so that... The fact that we were so far removed from that on Tuesday night, I think that it made me feel like there was something wrong. Like it just made me, it left me with the sense that somehow that wasn't the plan and that whatever the plan was, it didn't work and the players kind of froze and then Guardiola froze on the touchline and that's why I didn't make the subs. And it just felt very, you know, I basically, I think... That I had the wrong context. And that's not to say that the game plan that he chose was absolutely the correct game plan. I think the subjective, it's really subjective, and we'll never know had we gone there front foot and just put our best 11 out, what would have happened. And there's absolutely the argument that we could have scored two or three goals, and maybe Spurs would have scored one or two, and then, you know, we've got the away goals and whatever. But I think for Pep, the context is Monaco. The context is Anfield last season. You know, the context is his own recent history in away legs in the Champions League. So I guess that by not being default Pep, which is why everybody called him naive in the first place, or or certainly said that that's why he overthought the Champions League, by kind of going against his own nature and and taking a step back and going, well, I'm just not going to take a hiding. I think, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those, it's so out of character that 
you do when it does because it's out of character and then it doesn't work i think that that's where my immediate fury at him the next morning came from but yeah like you say i mean you know if we get to if we don't record that podcast until thursday morning i suspect we've all had then you know we've all then heard what's come out from city what's come out from the people to guardiola subsequently about why he plays like that so maybe the podcast becomes a bit more circumspect. Hey, let me ask you a I different... I think only time will tell, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. If, you, if we win the next two games comfortably, then it's... Yeah, he's absolved of blame, but yeah, there's no, he can't guarantee that, so it doesn't change the fact that no, he but he what could... he did, and it's just... Yeah, I don't... He, he was scarred. The, the fact that he, didn't, he couldn't decide, you know, if it's true. Yeah. Gillian Balagay says it is, doesn't mean it is... Which is not a dig at him, yeah. We, we don't know for sure, but him not knowing whether to bring those two subs on, uh, to bring De Bruyne or Sane on in the second half, sh- shouts to me of being scarred by previous years in the Champions League, both with well, City want- and Bruce, and with uh, Bayern Munich. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing. If he's been more pragmatic, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look at Barcelona; they only drew in the round of sixteen. They only drew away to Leon nil nil because they were confident they could win at home. Uh, they won at United, of course, but they, they weren't that good. Uh, Juve lost 2-0 in Atletico Madrid and Drew were lucky to get a draw in uh, at Ajax. So, you know, it's quite normal for... it's not These are not easy games and the, the, the water's muddied because it's the Champions League, but it's an English side that we know well. It's like new territory. I mean, I know there's Liverpool last year, but it's... It's a surreal situation and it's hard to know. Do we approach it like we would a league game or does he approach it like it's the Champions League? Uh, and it's very hard to give a definitive answer to that. Hmm. Yeah. I I, uh, I go along with that as well. Um, do you think that... Because I guess that we're, we're kind of talking about our own reactions, yeah? Do you think that we have, moving forward, we have a duty to cool off before we do a podcast? <laughs> uh, no, well, it was it was the day after. So no, but I mean, cool. I, I, what what I mean by cool off is literally the idea that you know you you wait a day when when yeah. it's like that that you give yourself a day to calm down. No, people want content quicker than that. We must, okay, we must crack on. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll learn something. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, plenty I get... of people have said well, our coverage was fine as well. By the way, yeah, plenty have said it isn't. So, you know, and you only have to go on social media after the match to see it was very split. And a lot of things were said were being said that were a lot worse than what we said on social media. But you'd expect that, and especially immediately after the match, it, you know, it can be a terrible place to go online and see some of the things that are being said because they're totally over the you know, like at a game where you say stuff you regret, but no one that's not written down and recorded, is it? So. Yeah, it's spur of the moment stuff, and people put spur of the moment thoughts into writing. Uh, a lot of people agreed with the, the, you know, there's no right answer here, but you know, my honest opinion is now that it wasn't quite as bad as I perceived it. It was a one nil defeat at Spurs. I think uh, we'd have probably got. I think we'd have probably got away with it if I hadn't have uh, if I hadn't have sworn directly at Pep. But yeah. you know, I mean, okay, I apologised at the end. That's the first thing, and the second thing. To a greater or a lesser extent, I started doing podcasts because I wanted 
somewhere to be able to express my opinions, positive and negative. And that's the way that I speak sometimes. And, you know, I appreciate that it's not for everyone, but at the same time, it's also who I am. I'm not a, I don't want to be a professional media trained guy who comes out here and no matter what the result is just an autobot. You know what I mean? And, and the, 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 the risk you run with being human on something like this is what happened on Wednesday because being human is not something that you can, can control. I certainly not within the context of that. I don't turn up and go, right. I better censor my opinions today because I didn't enjoy it or I enjoyed it too much. The whole point of coming on here is, is to try not to censor yourself. But if I crossed a line for people, then yeah, one more time, I can only apologize. Um, okay. That's enough about that. It's enough of our, <clears throat> self-reflection on our week. Let's have a little bit of reflection on Manchester City's week. Um, I want to go all the way back to last weekend and the fact that City are in the FA Cup final after beating Brighton at Wembley. Um, what does that mean for you? I mean, we've we've had this, we had this discussion at the very beginning of the FA Cup and I'm interested to know how you feel now. What does it mean to you to have gotten to the FA Cup final, does it matter in a season like this? <sighs> well, yeah, that's it. It's so There's so much going on, it's hard really to evaluate one thing. Maybe that's affected our Spurs thing. Yeah, maybe if we're 10 points clear in the league, been a lot more pragmatic about it all. But, you know, as you said, and I didn't really answer you, your very first question was, are we feeling the pressure? Uh, very much so. Which is why I told you off air, I've got a rash on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I think City have caused that. <laughs> City have given me a rash on my face. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really feeling the pressure now. They're playing they're paying for my prescription as well. I'm sending them the bill. I'd, I've always loved the FA Cup, so and I felt we've always we've not taken it seriously enough at all through the years. I mean it's what mm. started this journey off. Yep, absolutely. Well the, well, the takeover did, but you know, let's be honest, beating United then Stoke is what started the journey off in earnest when when we arrived, so to speak, and the tables turned in Manchester and all that. And we've not looked back very often. And you know, you look at it, the Wigan and the Arsenal semi final and Wigan again and Wigan and Wigan. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I'll go back further and yeah, Notts Forest at home three nil some a port and Middlesbrough in the cup as well, I think, at home and it's like Always underperform. Yeah, you know, this is this is what I grew up watching as a kid. You know, these days at Wembley, mm. uh, watching other teams go there, and I know the world's changed a lot since then. It's not doesn't mean the same. There's a lot more football. City have changed. We've got bigger fish to fry, so to speak. But yeah, it still means a lot to me. It's the FA Cup. It's a you know, hybrid me being sang and all that. And yeah, it's the oldest cup competition in the world. So. And it's after the end of the domestic season. So we can at least forget about it in terms of our schedule until the league's over, which is good. Because they, I'm sure they did move it into the season at one point. So, In fact, yeah. when, we beat, when we beat Stoke, uh, United won the league that day, didn't they? So at least they've moved it after the season now, even if it's a stupid kick-off time still for no reason whatsoever. Mm. But yeah, it's important to me. It really is. I mean, it's not the end of the world. When you're going for four... It's hard, you know, something will give and it's hard to evaluate it and get your head straight about what everything means, to be honest. I'll just sit back at the end and decide whether, what, whether you know, what that season was and how good it was. 
Are we are we a little bit in danger of? Um, and I think that this is maybe something that we will have to get used to to a greater or a lesser extent. Are we a little bit in danger of losing sight of the importance of winning the domestic um, cups? Just in the sense of you know the the reality is that although we're in um, still in three competitions or however many competitions it is that we're in, um, we could end up in a situation. The Premier League and the Champions League are really difficult to win. It's not beyond the the realms of possibility that we don't win the Premier League and we don't win the Champions League. Um, would a domestic cup double within that context go some way to making you feel like the season was was still successful? Only a bit, to be honest. I'm sorry, I asked on Twitter, would it be successful? Again, this is like people asking black and white questions. You know, there's no, it's not a failure, but it's not a successful season either. Yeah, I'd put, I'd put it under an okay season. Okay, let's be honest. We we have the best team, so we're expected to win the league. So if we don't win the league, yeah. But then if you get ninety five points and don't win the league and win two cups, you've got to be pragmatic about it. Yeah. So no, it would be an all right. You know, you take something from that because it'll give you two. You know, you see, you're, you're a bit spoiled if you can't take something out of seeing your club captain lift a trophy up at Wembley twice in one season. It's not as if it's ever happened before. So, yeah, I would take something from it, but I wouldn't call it a clear success now. Okay, fair enough. Um, final thing on the uh, on the semi-final. I-, I felt as though City's performance was either not spoken about or criticised for being... Um, I don't know what the word is. M- maybe it was... Maybe maybe there was a little bit of bleed from that performance into the performance against Spurs on Tuesday, but for whatever reason, we were criticised. Does it really matter how a team performs when it's a semi-final of a cup? No, not if they win. Okay. Uh, obviously, the better you perform, the more likely you are to win, so there is a, a linkage there. But, you know, apart from Laporte putting that deflected, you know, that ball that just dropped down over the bar, over his own bar... Uh, just felt like, you know, just part of the process of City, City's game management. So, as we said at the time, it's fine in that game. It's just when the bigger games come, they must change the intensity and must go through the gears then. Yeah. If they're capable of doing that, it's not a problem. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the Spurs game itself? now that the dust has settled, or do you feel that it's almost been done to death, so yeah, to speak? I think, well, I do. I don't think there's much more to say, no. I, you know, as I said, I understand the approach. When we're discussing if we went over the top, I understand the approach more now. Mm. I don't. It was the team selections that got to me more than the actual performance. And I've already said the main point, I just feel not trying to score away from home is just a dangerous policy and make fighters on the backside eventually. Otherwise, when you step back, it wasn't a bad performance. It was a cagey, uninteresting game a lot of the time. But that's fine. We're not out to entertain people at this stage of the competition. So uh, they weren't any better, I don't think. Mm. They played well, but they weren't significantly better. A draw probably would have been a fair result. So... It wasn't the worst performance in the world. It was just a frustrating night more than anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess when you when you give it that context, I think the one of the big things for me 
the big takeaways after a little bit of uh, a little bit of time was that Spurs weren't really that was Spurs' best team and that was their best shot at laying a punch on City. Um and I don't really think that they did. I think that uh you know for for the most part we were comfortable with a heavily rotated team. Um and I actually think that moving forward into the next round I can I think that 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 tactic is a perfectly valid tactic away from home in the Champions League. I feel really bad in a way about the way in which I spoke about Pep and a lot of it was down to team selection rather than the tactic itself because actually having lived with it and thought about it I'm really pleased that he played like that because I've always worried deep down inside that we'll never win the Champions League under Pep because he'll go away from home and he'll play front foot football wherever he goes and the side will continue to concede two or three goals. So the fact that he's shown a willingness to change, that's uh, that's actually a, a, a big positive that, that I missed in my own fury and rage on, on Wednesday that now I get to look at and I go, look, if we've got to play Juventus, um, if we can get past Spurs and we've got to play Juventus in the semi-final and we've got to go to Turin, I mean, which we will have to do, obviously, then I want us to play like that. If you put our best, if you take, you put aside the team selection and you go, okay, you drop in the players that you want that make up the best 11. And then you go to Turin and you shut Juventus down for, for 85, 90 minutes. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad. And also just to be able to play like that and to do it effectively, which they did on Tuesday. Ultimately the goal comes from a Delft mistake. And you would expect in the latter rounds, you ain't going to see Delft. I mean, okay. The quarterfinals is the latter rounds, but you see what I mean? That with the fixture kind of pile up as it was, that was an opportunity to rotate in a way that they probably won't be later on. And I would back our best 11 to go somewhere and play compact and on the counter and be dangerous like Atleti are and be solid like Atleti are because we were solid for large parts of the Spurs game. We were incredibly solid. So I guess that I wish that I'd had that kind of perspective on Wednesday because that perspective makes me feel a hell of a lot better, not just about that tie in the Champions League this season, but Pep's the rest of Pep's tenure at City, because it's probably the only part of his philosophy, for want of a better word, that I was nervous about was mm. just this idea of if you go to, if you say, I'm never going to take a step back, then it's going to be really difficult for you to win the Champions League because when you go to Turin or you go to Madrid or you go to Barcelona or you go to Bayern Munich or even if you go to Paris, if you play on the front foot and you leave massive gaps and you you know you pl- you play your normal way, those better sides they'll only need two chances to score two goals, and you'll probably give those up, and they'll have the quality to carve them out. So, so yeah, um, that's my. That's my readjusted take on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, right. You know what? The Premier League is back. It is upon us. This weekend, we go to what somebody described this week to me as our bogey side and a bogey ground. 
Are Crystal is Selhurst Park a bogey ground for City, Howard? Uh, no. Well, it was no nil there, was it? Yeah, it was last year, wasn't it? That when De Bruyne was taken out and somehow was fit again for the next game, and they missed a penalty. Uh, that was in the middle of the the Christmas schedule. Uh, obviously, the two in two thousand fourteen when these when. Liverpool were playing Chelsea the same day. We won two 0 there, so not much of a bogey ground. It's it's a tough place to go, yeah. Not bogey. That would. I mean, we don't really have many of them anymore, do we? Yes, mm. Anfield is the one, yeah, that we just can't win at. Uh, but we have we have won there, so I wouldn't say it's quite bogey. Maybe one more bad performance, uh, bad result. Sorry, uh, maybe it becomes bogey. Yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those you know, tight, compact grounds that you think will be difficult, and it will be difficult, but Crystal Palace this season are better away from home. Mm. Uh, obviously, they won at ours, which was just no one saw coming. Uh, but they've only won, I think, four out of 16 at home, and they average under a goal a game at home. So the stats say, not a problem. But, you know, I think this is going to be far from an easy game. Okay. Okay. Um, in terms of, so just to talk about their team selection and their own issues, their first choice centre-back pairing is out. Tompkins and Sacco are both injured. I think Sacco's out long-term and Tompkins uh, went down against Newcastle last weekend and hasn't recovered uh, and won't be available. Um, how does City approach this match? What do you expect, right? So rather than trying to... Uh, well, yeah. What what do you expect City to, to to do, and what do you expect Guardiola to do? I mean, uh, the context I want to give you is that Sam's done a Sam Lee from Goal has done a piece, which I think I retweeted a little bit earlier um, about he's spoken to people close to Guardiola who have said that they view Palace, Spurs, and Spurs as three cup finals in a week. And that the rested and rotate the rested and rotated team on Tuesday was so that the key players are fit and firing for these three cup finals. Do you believe that, or does that sound like kind of excuse making? And then, if you believe it, how do you view what the approach, selection, everything about Sunday? What's it going to be? Yeah, it just it changes my argument that after Brighton we go full pelt and it just puts it back one game, i.e. where we, you know, Tottenham away in the Champions League is the one game where we could let something go and it's not the end of the world because it's retrievable. Whereas now everything is not retrievable. So we must win at Palace, we must win the league game, we must win the Champions League game. So what do I expect? I expect City to go for it, basically. He picks his strongest 11. But I want the rumours that players that didn't play with, were not playing because Sunday was in mind. So you expect De Bruyne, I expect Sane, I expect City to go up Palace, basically. Uh, and to you know, to to realise that this a game that must be won. And to, from the first whistle, just go at them. Mm. Because, you know, we said that we were previewing games about three weeks ago. So how do, you, how do you think City will approach Cardiff or Fulham? And I said, well... They'll probably just look to dominate the ball and be patient because that's what City do a lot of the time. They don't need to kill the game off early. 
And yet against Fulham, they got an early goal. Then against Cardiff, they did. And then against Brighton, they did. So I wonder now if you know the approach is literally to try and get an early goal, try and stamp your authority on the game. Because the longer the game goes on, the more dangerous it becomes, of course, if at nil-nil or, mm. or even worse, if they're losing. How do you view... So would you pick almost the exact same team or almost the exact same team against Palace and Spurs on Wednesday night? Or again, would you be looking to maybe hold one or two back for Wednesday? Uh, I'll play. Yeah. No, I'll play whatever side he thinks is the strongest for the opposition. If that's the same side, then play him twice. Okay. Okay. I mean, Spurs. You know, Spurs themselves. How are they going to approach their league game? Well, it's a very winnable one, I think. Is it? Have they got Huddersfield, I think. Anyway, so they might yes. put like Lorente up front and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That. They, but they'll they, still expect them to win. They need points, but they expect them to win with changes. So our game's harder. Uh, again, it's fitness-wise. Who can play? You know, Mendy might play once during this week, but he can't really play all of them. I would just pick the stronger side according to what he thinks the stronger side is. If that's the same side, then so be it. Okay. Okay. What's your um, view then? Well, I I said on Wednesday's podcast, by the way, I might delete that podcast from our service so nobody can ever listen to it again. <laughs> I almost did it this morning. Um, I, I believe that we'll see the same team Sunday and Wednesday. I said that it'd be Sunday, Wednesday, and next weekend as well. But I imagine that results Sunday and Wednesday dictate whether next weekend we see the same team. Um, I think the approach has got to be the best 11 plays on Sunday and that identical, and if not identical, then rotated by literally one player. So, for example, for me, I would choose on Sunday against Palace, Edison, Walker, Stones, Laporte, Mendy, Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Raheem Sterling, Leroy Sane, and Sergio Aguero. And the only change that I make for Spurs in midweek is Bernardo comes back in and Leroy drops out. But even that's kind of 50-50 because if it was me I'd probably drop Gundogan and play Bernardo centrally and keep Leroy and and Raz as the uh, as the two wide players I, um, think, I think the only way to approach it is the worst the worst saying in football but I'm going to use it anyway is literally take one game at a time so yeah. I don't want Pep to be thinking about Spurs just we have to beat Crystal Palace think about that game when it's over see who's fit on Tuesday or whatever Tuesday night Wednesday morning then decide you know how you approach that one you know see who comes out the game injured or whatever just think about the Crystal Palace game completely agree the way I'd approach it yeah and just don't you know I guess that 
I hope that, I mean, in a way, everything that he said since the, the result on Tuesday means that they're, they've almost backed themselves into a corner where yeah. they have to pick more or less that team that we've just suggested because any rotation or funny business on, on, on Sunday, uh, is, is, uh, contrary to saying on Tuesday or on Wednesday, Tuesday was the last opportunity to rest certain players. It was the last opportunity to, I guess, almost throw a result and get some some uh, rest into the legs uh, of certain players and even the players who played on Tuesday because the re- reality is that there is this idea that they made Spurs run a lot more than they ran. Um, and I can kind of get behind that as a as a way of thinking and the idea being that, well, they've got to play us again next week and then again on the Saturday um and so to make them do all that running on Tuesday is not a bad thing whilst getting a little bit of rest into your own legs. So, yeah, I mean, I I expect the strongest team. Um, funnily enough, I, I was very nervous going into the Spurs game about the Palace game. I remember having a conversation with Stefan on Twitter in the afternoon saying that I was already worried about Palace and not really even thinking about Spurs that night. The result against Spurs has left me not hugely concerned about the performance against Palace because I expect a a proper, you know, the way that I was knee-jerky on Wednesday, I expect a a real knee-jerky reaction from the players on Sunday and I expect them to show their dominance and their class and to play at 100 miles an hour from minute one and just re-remind us and re-remind themselves after 90 minutes of, of of playing negatively just what it is that they're good at and just what it is that they that they enjoy doing. So what what are your views on Palace then? Uh obviously they're a counter-attacking side, which may explain why they've done better away from home. But this is one of those games where Yes. I know what you're gonna be say. able to counter-attack at home. Yeah. So it's dangerous in that respect. Obviously, Zaha, that Shuai is there. Oh, you know, he's a dangerous player. Juan uh, Bissaka, Townsend, always, you know, after what he did in the other game, always a concern. Uh, are you worried about their strength or their pace on the break? Or? Sure. I mean, you've got to respect. I mean, Zaha's a top player, man. Uh, but Shuai is there. He, he's a danger in the box. Townsend is what he is. But I think that what we have to remember is that we've shown many times against much better sides than Palace this season that we can play at, at such a high level and dominate the football. I, mean, I said this on a podcast, like, I must have been like two weeks ago, Max, where I was saying that the line between other teams not trying and us just dominating the football and playing so far away from our own goal that it just makes it really hard for the opposition to even get to a point where they can get into our penalty area that's what we have to do against palace we just have to we have to the the distance between the lines in our side as long as they remain compact as long as we play really high up the pitch and nobody has an individual brain fart there's just no reason why we don't completely dominate the game and you know what actually howard i demand it you know that you're talking about 11 of the best footballers in the world in their position going into a league game 
it, it's money time now. I, I I expect forget about what happened last midweek and forget about the game next midweek. I expect on Sunday that they turn up and they show everybody how good they are. Um, yeah, looking at previous the recent games, Palace are you know, pretty safe now, which can be good for us or bad for us, but they will create chances, I think, but they have conceded a host of chances, you know, even when winning 1-0 at Newcastle, even, you know, Huddersfield, who were relegated on that day, created plenty of chances, and this is the most impotent attack in English football. So if City, you know, really are focused, they should not struggle to create chances against Crystal Palace. Mm. So profligacy is something we don't see basically yeah yeah but I mean I, I think that you know when you when you talk about profligacy um, I think that after what happened I think I, I hope that after what happened in the Spurs game that there's almost a, a we see a determination and a focus that is reminiscent of earlier this season reminiscent of a lot of last season that really just is just about City doing what City are good at doing. And as ridiculous as that sounds, that's all they have to do. If they just do what they're good at doing from back to front, then they'll be okay and they'll they'll get the result that they need. Um, mm. That's kind of a good moment to ask you. Uh, how do you feel? Predict the results. I want to know whether you have faith in the team, everybody around it, to make sure that whatever Tuesday's blip was, it's just a blip. You say predict a score? Yeah. So a ridiculous score came into my head though whilst you were talking before, so I'll go 2-4. Interesting. They're two coming right at the end. They're yeah. second coming right at the end. Yeah. I think, because he's got the comfort, Hodgson, I you know, he might be quite defensive, but I'm not sure they're a team really capable. I don't know. I don't know what we take from... I mean, they defended brilliantly second half against the You know, it was like a back to the wall and we were a bit predictable. It was a strange game. And the nil-nil over Christmas last year was, you know, contradicts what I'm saying. But I just don't know if he will really just do a low block all game. I think he'll be a bit more ambitious, which will give them chances, but give us plenty. Mm. I think they should be a lot of goals I'm not confident in keeping a, a clean sheet no but I think there's the chance there for us to score plenty mm. Q and I, 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 I would I would go along with that I mean I, I expect us to score goals um, I don't know how I, I think we've been in, in the main this season we've been defensively fantastic I mean you don't get to where we get to without being defensively fantastic so you know, I think it's about, I think in the defence, it really does become about selection. As long as nothing weird happens uh, in the selection, I expect us to be defensively pretty sound. I mean, Zaha's a dangerous player and Batshuayi is a dangerous player, but we've played against more dangerous players and kept them out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, not to be, too, it's not about being overly confident or about being bullish. It's about looking at the um, respective attributes and qualities of the two sides and and feeling like look City's City's attributes and their qualities from back to front have to get them over the line on uh, 
on Sunday lunchtime. And I think knowing that they play before Liverpool, again, I think that's an advantage for us, particularly this weekend. I think to go into that game, knowing that if you win it, it'll have an effect on the the Liverpool dressing room. Mm. Then, you know, I am, I'm feeling good about Sunday. I'm feeling very good about Sunday now. Um, okay. So I want to talk a little bit to wrap this up about that game that I just touched upon. Uh, Liverpool play Chelsea on Sunday. Omens, Howard, 13-14, Palace City and, and Liverpool-Chelsea is the same day. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, it doesn't exist though. The games oh. were the other way around that day, I think. So uh, Chelsea won 2-0. At Liverpool, then we went to Palace. Jacko scored a header. Uh, Torre killed one in two 0 at half time. I think and that's how it ended. So yeah, the games are either way around, but yeah, same day, pivotal day, of course, in 2014. Mm. Uh, everything changed that day. So how are you into uh, our hands, so to speak? How how do you view this Sunday's Chelsea Liverpool match? Uh, are you home win? Okay, I, I, I you've predicted a you've predicted a home or away win depending on where Liverpool are playing all right. season, which has been correct for to be fair because they've only lost one game this season and that was to yeah. to I'm us. Mark Lawrenson of predictions. I, I hope what Sarri does is not change his approach from the last couple of games. So Hazard was rested. I think Kante was as well for their European ventures in Prague uh, last night. At least, the, so that's going to take something out of them, but they are flying back to Liverpool, I think, Chelsea. So by about now, they'll be in Liverpool, so at least they'll be there and can prepare and rest mm. and so on. Uh, so I'm glad Hazard wasn't, you know, played. You know, we need him to replicate what he did against West Ham. I don't, what I don't want Sarri doing is going into a shell and going defensive and changing. He's put in like Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek and they've given amazing energy to that side. You know, just a robustness and energy, a vitality that I think he was missing before then. I hope he sticks with players like that, at least one of them uh, in that side, rather than going back to his old side that was stale in a way. Uh, And yet again, it depends how the early section of the game goes. Liverpool will look to get an early goal again. If they do, then I don't fancy Chelsea to come back from that. The longer the game goes on, it you know the crowd gets worked up. If City have won early in the day, there'll be even more tense. You know it'll be very tense in there. So again, the early stages of the game could be crucial. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. <clears throat> I think I'm a little bit more confident than you. I think Chelsea's performance against West Ham gave me a lot of hope. Um, I think that Hazard looks like he wants to end the season and his Chelsea career on as big a high as he possibly can. Um, so I hope that he puts in one of those one of those performances at Anfield. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I'm just, I, I, I think that, I think psychologically, Liverpool don't like to play Chelsea at Anfield. I think Chelsea have got a really good record there, so going all the way back to the Mourinho days. And I think it's it's their bogey side in the Premier League. At Anfield, so you know we don't get a better chance at hoping that they drop points than this. Um, and even you know, kind of looking at the respective qualities of the of the two sides, I do think that 
he'll I think Klopp will have a decision to make because I think that uh, if he plays Alexander Arnold, uh, I'd be pretty surprised because Hazard versus versus Alexander Arnold would be a really interesting interesting um, lineup or matchup. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I think there's. I'm a bit different than you in that I'd almost prefer to see Willian or Pedro rather than uh, Hudson-Odoi at Anfield because I just think that at Anfield, you need a bit of know-how. You need a little bit of experience. I'm not convinced that throwing an 18, 19-year-old lad out there is the right thing to do. I think Hudson-Odoi can make basic errors and give the ball away. Give the ball away, yeah. I think Loftus-Cheek may be more likely, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think Hudson-Odoi for that one, you'd almost want to keep him back for the last half hour, hoping that, you know, you're still in the game with half an hour to go or, you know, if you need a goal, you've got him to to throw on the bench. The only thing I really hope uh, Sarri doesn't do is try and play um, Hazard as a false nine. I know that he's tried that a few times and it's never really worked and Hazard doesn't like it and I don't like to see it and it'll be really disappointing if he tries that at Anfield because I don't think they need to. I think they can play with... I'd I'd start with Giroud. I mean, Giroud, Hazard loves playing with Giroud. Um, Again, the experience, the nous, the know-how, the physicality up against Van Dijk, I like that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see that. I don't want to see Higuain out there. He looks... Man looks old and slow. Um, I'm not in a, you know, Giroud is slow, but he 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 makes up for that by being great at linking up with Hazard. Higuain just looks slow. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that's my that's my take on it. And then you know, any one of those eleven, make yourselves a hero, lads. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> on the day, just go out there, have the game of your life. David Luiz, ninety first minute, get out there, score the winning goal. Just you know. Make my weekend, lads. That just make my weekend by let's, doing something mad at Anfield. Let's hope they've watered the pitch as well. <laughs> excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, hey, you know what? I'm gonna wrap this up, Howard. Yeah. Been an I'll hour. Just, Go on. Can I just say I've looked up our Palace results? Uh, they're pretty good. So one three nil in the cup there a couple of years ago. I think that's the one where someone was periscoping the whole match. That's and right. Almost, and he almost got sued for it. Legal action for it might have been that. I think it was that one. Uh, it, what, it, that was an FA won, Cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, in the Cup. Yeah, one two one now one nil as well since in the league. So no, it's not the worst record in of all time. And I think we put five past them twice at home before this season's uh, stumble. So yeah, we're not done too bad there, to be honest. Mm. I don't think it's on the Anfield levels of uh, bogey teams just yet. No, and I'm. You know, as I say, I think that putting all the omens aside, putting everything aside, it's money time now. And, you know, this is it from, it's like you said, you expected the kind of the run of cup finals to begin on Tuesday. Pep has intimated that they begin on Sunday. So let's see if that is indeed the case. Um, Okay. Mr. Hawking, thank you very much for coming and, and, and and being my partner in this podcast stroke therapy session today. Yeah, it felt, felt good that. So. Yeah, it did. It felt very good. Um, to everybody who listened, thank you very much. If you've stayed with us after what we did on Wednesday, thank you very, very much. Um, as always, we'll be back after the Palace game with a review of the Palace game 
loads more podcasts as this mental run-in unfolds. Thanks for listening, and as always, up the blues.